Welcome you all to the eight. I want to begin in a very unorthodox way. Yes, we are an orthodox church, but I want to begin in a very unorthodox way here talking about the eight. For those who do not know, we are a Coptic Orthodox Church, and the centerpiece of our identity as being followers of Christ in the ancient faith is us abiding in liturgical worship. This is the centerpiece of our faith. This is the invitation which Jesus gave his disciples and he gave to us for us to abide in him. That last night before Jesus was crucified, he made it super clear for us to abide in him. And ever since that Thursday evening, the centerpiece of those who have followed Jesus from that evening till now, the centerpiece is the Eucharist, is the liturgy. But here at San Mark Church, we add various other elements and ministries that are ramps to liturgical worship, that are ramps for us to go deeper and deeper into Orthodox Christianity. So yes, we have life group, we have women's group, we have our kids programs. We also have the eight. And I want to kind of just understand, for every, all of us to make sure we understand, what's the mission here of the eight? The eight is not just another sermon. But the eight is designed, the vision of it long term, and a lot of it will have to do, God willing, when we have our own building. But the vision of the eight is for it to be an easy, attractive, convenient first step for those who are interested in Orthodox Christianity, those who want to bring a family member, a friend, a spouse, coworker, a classmate, you name it. You name it. For those who feel the liturgical worship might be a little bit too much right now or don't have exposure to liturgical worship, I always tell those who I just meet at coffee shops, they email the church saying, hey, I'm interested in orthodoxy. I say, cool, let's meet at Starbucks at whatever time, whatever day we meet. And depending on their background, I tell them, okay, well, I would love for you to come to the eight first. You know, let's connect to the eight. Give me your thoughts to the eight. And then I would love for you to come to, to the divine liturgy after that and to experience that. So the whole idea of the eight, we call it a second service because the main centerpiece of our service is the divine liturgy in the morning. And the supplement to that is the eight, is what we do everything at the eight, which is the coffee hour, the music team. So... As you and I grow and, God willing, mature as being followers of Christ, what's the ideal Sunday experience for us? It begins in the morning for us to abide in his word, which is the liturgy of the word, the first part of the divine liturgy. Then we go into celebrating the Eucharist, the, the liturgy of the faithful, in which we all come together to partake of him and celebrate and worship him in the liturgy. Then we also need to connect with one another. That's a big part of what it means to be a Jesus follower. So the coffee hour break is an essential part of us growing together. It's a great way as a ramp for those who are interested in the church. It's a great way for us to strengthen our friendship and our relationship with one another. And then we also need a very simplistic but orthodox message, which is the eight. And obviously we have the music team as well to help us in worship by giving us another genre of worship music using a Western scale. So all of that is essential. All of that is what feeds our soul. All, that, all of that is necessary for us to grow. So I want us to understand, the goal is for us not to just come to the liturgy and then dip out. The goal is not for us to come and grab coffee because it's good here at Samar Church and then go back home. The goal is not just to come to the aid and then leave. The goal is, is, is that we, we want to be able to connect all these elements together because all of this is part of the full meal as we engage and participate in the life of the church. Go ahead. You are at the eight. Welcome. 
you are at the eight. And that goes to our first core value, come as you are, right? So you are at the eight. You're absolutely right. So this is the eight. And by the way, why do we call it the eight? I, I kind of want to start with some, some ABCs here, why it's called the eight. There are different reasons why I love uh, many years ago when this was just a dream, I, I, why I wanted to name this the eight. There are seven days in a week. The eighth day is the first day of the next week. So even just by if you're looking at the structure of the calendar and how we structure the weeks and days of the year, seven is complete. Eight is the beginning of a new week or a new day. More important than that example is theologically speaking. The number eight, if you look at how God has worked throughout humanity, eight, the number eight reflects new beginnings. For example, in Noah's Ark, there was eight people in, in the ark that when the, the, the world was flooded and they began a new start, what was the reset for the world are those eight people. When the, the, if we look at the lineage of Jesus' life, and when, there were, when, when the Israelites needed to choose a new prophet, a new, a new king, I mean, a new leader for the Israelites, it was the eighth son from Jesse, which was David. He was the eighth one to be the line uh, to bring hope, to bring redemption for God's people. So if you look at the number eight, it's always a new beginning and a new start. So this is why here at the eight, the tagline is a place to renew and reset life. So it is a simplistic but applicable message we're able to apply to our lives. The goal is not for it to be seminary. It's not just head knowledge, but something you're able to apply in a real practical way. And for those who have attended the A before, I intentionally, I'm talking to a broader audience. I'm assuming not everyone is an Orthodox Christian. I'm going to assume there are people that are, are trying to wrestle with their faith. They're trying to question if God is there. Or even for those who are not even followers of Jesus, this should be the safe place for us to engage in a conversation together over a specific content, which most of the time is related to a series, all right? So I just wanted to share that snippet of the culture here, of what we're doing at San Mar Church, and how does the eight is a secondary supplement to the centerpiece of ancient Christianity, Christianity, which is the divine liturgy, which is the Eucharist. So I'm done with my intro before the intro. So here's my intro to the series that we're about to start right now. You and I go get different types of tests done for our physical health, right? You get your CAT scan and your MRI and whatever, especially if something's not adding up with your blood test results and you get all these tests. You get all these tests and you just know they're acronyms. You don't even know what CAT stand stands for. You don't know what MRI stands for. And you get all this test and you get the result and you get in your email and you open up the you know, portal and you don't even understand what it is. So you just copy and paste, you know, what are all these acronyms mean? And I'm in this range. Is that a good thing or bad thing? So you Google, is this okay for my whatever to be in this range, right? So we do all these tests for our physical health to try to figure out, is my heart okay? Is my physical health okay? We do all these things to make sure that our physical health is okay, even though we don't even understand half of what we're looking at, but we're trying to figure out, am I okay? Am I going to die? Is this, is this normal? Is this abnormal? We look at all these different factors, elements, when we look at our test results concerning our physical health. Here's my question that's going to move us forward through this series. Do you and I do anything to check the health in status of our spiritual heart. 
Don't check out like, oh, we're about to get into our heart and we need to be, you know, stick with me. But for real, we do all these things to check out the state of our physical health. But do we do anything to check the state of our spiritual health? This entire series is being sparked by something you and I do, unfortunately, on a regular basis. We say and do things and then we look back and we're like, did I I really say that? Oh, I didn't mean it. To, I didn't mean to say it. I, I, re- I said it, but that's not what, it re- what I really meant. Or we overreact, or that things come out of our mouth, and the, and then that person has to remind you of what you said, and you say, "I didn't say that. You heard. You misheard me. You misunderstood me. That's not what I meant when I said that." But those things come out. They cause division. They cause pain. There's things that are coming out that, if we want to admit it or not, are already settled within our heart, and then when there's pressure on it. It naturally comes out. It causes pain. It causes regret. This is why this series, I'm titling it Heart and Tongue. Yes, because Valentine's is coming up, so I wanted to do the heart thing. But then also, because whatever is in our heart will naturally come out of our tongue. And then also another reason, one of my favorite hymns of the church is a hymn we sing during the Christmas season. We say the words, my heart and my tongue praise the Holy Trinity. So even when I praise God, it begins from the heart, and it naturally comes out of my tongue. Not from my mind to my heart, but for what's in my heart is naturally going to come out from my tongue. I want to share with you the words of one of the wisest people on planet Earth around the year 1000 BC. King Solomon said these words, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Everything that you and I do, how we respond to pressures and tension and arguments and insecurities and sin, everything of how we respond to life. Somebody sends you that snarky text. Someone is trying to say that thing to kind of, mm, to see if you're, how you're going to react. All, how you respond is a product of what is settling in your heart. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Your motive, your agenda, your internal drive of why you make certain decisions is a byproduct of what is already settling in your heart. I'm sure you guys have heard the saying, sticks and stones won't break my bones. Sorry, did I say it right? Sorry. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie, right? We have all been hurt. We try, we try to forgive him. We try to forgive her. We try to move past it, and we try to believe him that he didn't really mean it that way, and she didn't, that, was just, he just, that was just a typo. That was just a mistake. He didn't mean it that way. It was just misunderstood, right? We, we try. We try. We try to extend sympathy, but the reality is words do hurt us. Words do hurt us. Sticks and stones may break our bones, and for sure, words will also break us as well. We try to convince ourselves that this saying is true. I don't even know what's the origin of it, but it's, it's a lie. We know this from life experience. From the book of Proverbs, King Solomon, so wise, this was his, his desire, is to, be, is to attain wisdom from above. He said this as far as the power of words. Words have the power, it's, it's a sword that thrusts, but also, words have the power of healing. 
right? But words can, can do both extents, right? Words can really hurt us. When I, when I read this, that always reminds me, I've shared this before, but when Sarah, my wife, and I were living in Washington, D.C. at the time, we had a big argument um, to the point we had the priest had to come to our apartment. That, that's how big it was, all right? So, so you know, Father Anthony, our, our spiritual father, came to our apartment, and he told me this. He's like, hey, you need to, I, I, what did I say? I said, hey, Father Anthony, I'm just, speaking, I'm just speaking the truth. Sarah can't handle it. I'm just speaking what's on my mind. I'm speaking the truth. That's her, that's her fault for how she's, she's not hearing me right, but I'm, I'm just speaking the truth. I'm just speaking the truth in love. And Father Anthony told me, and I'll never forget it, and I've, I've told many of you guys this in private just because this, this really impacted me. And I remember where we were. I remember the apartment. I remember the couch and everything. And he said, okay, you can say your words, and it's kind of like a sword, but you need to put a pillow around the sword because the way, the way I talk was stabbing her, was hurting her, was hurting our marriage. And Father Anthony told me, I need to put a pillow around the sword. And just that imagery kind of just stuck with me. But we get this from, from life experience, right? That words have the power that can be a sword that thrusts or it can bring healing. King Solomon also says this, words have the power to turn away wrath, right? If someone is saying that snarky comment to you that's, that, that, that is full of drama, full of gossip, or trying to talk bad about someone, or just really trying to blow you up, you know that person said that comment to try to see how you're going to overreact, right? You have the power through our words, how we respond, how we react, that we can turn away wrath. Or you have a friend, a spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, someone, they're, they're coming with, with, this, with this issue, with this anger. You have the power to either add more gas to the fire, or you have the power to suppress it. You can turn away wrath just by the power of our words. But it's not about a words thing. It's about a heart thing. So words have the power to turn away wrath. They can also stir up anger. We can add more gas to the fire just by our words. And, and to kind of wrap it up, King Solomon also says, words have the power of life and death. Words have the power of life and death. You and I try to focus externally on our words. We try to focus on our persona outside of how people view us, right? So we want to be wise and smooth with our words. We don't want to go into that topic. That's sensitive. We don't talk about that, right? So externally, we try to control the environment, try to control certain conversations to avoid words being hurtful. But Jesus, who came to restore the inner man, is trying to get to the heart of you and me. He's not focusing on the external things. You and I focus so much on how people view us online, how people view us in person, how we look to others, our status, our reputation, and then Jesus is trying to elevate that in the opposite direction, is trying to get to our heart, trying to transform and redeem and restore and cure the inner man. I want to share with you the words and what Jesus said and St. Luke records for us. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. So he begins with a very common um, like farming analogy in which us non-farmers, we get this as well. If a tree is good and healthy, it's going to produce, produce good and healthy fruits. But if the root is rotten and it's dehydrated and there's no roots, of course, it's not going to produce any fruit. Even if it did, it's going to be pathetic, lame, unhealthy fruit, 
right? So we kind of get this analogy. But Jesus is so good. He, he, he gave analogies that relate to his audience, and then he elevates it for it to become spiritually nourishing. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit, right? If I, if I take an apple and I look at it, I can say, okay, this came from a healthy apple tree. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars, right? So he's continuing on with this analogy to really drive home this message because this is a big, big deal. So Jesus is, is giving example after example related to farming, related to trees and to fruits. He continues, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. You and I get this. This is nothing new at all. You and I understand this from life. Whatever is stored up in our heart, once pressure, once conflict, once agony, once grief, once somebody presses that button, boom, it comes out. And then you look at that person, where did that come from? We were just fine four seconds ago. and then all of it, It's there. It's there. But somebody pressed it, and it came out. It came out, and it bursted forth. But I love how Jesus, I, and I wanted to make it red, and then I wanted to underline it. Because it's whatever is stored up in our hearts. It's there. It's there. It's just only a matter of time until it comes out. If I take an orange, and you look at it from outside, you would expect there to be orange juice inside. But you do not know until you squeeze it. And then you see the true essence of what's coming out. It will burst forth. When people... Um, date, I always give them this one suggestion. They always hate it, but I, I, I always give this suggestion. The suggestion I give them, I say, pray that, like, when they say, oh, we, but, you know, Father Nate, we, we, we love each other, we have great chemistry, and we just get along, and, you know, like, we both love spaghetti, and we both love this, this show together, and I'm like, oh, that's cute, that's awesome, you know, that's cool. And then I tell them, you know, once, we, once all the kind of, like, butterflies kind of calm down, I tell them, okay, this is what I want you to do. I suggest a certain resource, and then I tell them this. I want you to specifically pray for hardship to come upon you. <laughs> I say, I want you to pray that both of you guys experience hardship. And they're like, dang, well, why did we come here? Because they wanted me to just kind of be like, oh, it's so exciting. No, but I, I tell them, I want you to pray for hardship. Why? Because hardship will allow both of you guys to see truly what's inside. Because I can fake you. I can fake you for, for six months, 12 months that I'm the best person in the world. But you don't know, tr you truly don't know me until I'm put under pressure. Then you see what comes out of me. So I, 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 I say, I genuinely, I want you to pray for hardships. And, and Obviously, you don't have to pray that hard about it because we live in a broken world. It's just, 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 just look at your clock. It's just a matter of time until there's hardship that comes, right? But this is what allows them to, to see what is stored up in their hearts? It's naturally going to come out. I'd rather it come out while they're dating instead of after the honeymoon. Well, I didn't know you were like that. I wish I, 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 I could, I, you know, and then all of a sudden all the things kind of come out. Well, I never saw this part of you before. Sometimes pressure is good. Hardships and trials are good because it really shows what comes out. In other words, what comes out of you is an indicator of what is inside of you. 
What comes out of you is an indicator of what is already inside of you. Let me give you three random examples. If hurt is what's coming out of me, if hurt is what's coming out of me, then it's coming from inside my heart, most likely from anger or sadness. Like sadness is just the vulnerable version of anger. But if I'm a hurt person, what's naturally going to come out is either anger or sadness. I, I know I'm oversimplifying and stereotyping, but I'm just saying at a, at a high level, if hurt is within me, that's why you've heard the comments saying, hurt people hurt people. Because what's inside a hurt person, how it might manifest the bad fruit that comes out, that's stored up, that comes out, is either anger, which is more of a controlled sadness, or sadness, which is a more vulnerable version of that. If I'm a very critical person, just everywhere I go, well, this church is the worst, and that priest, and they're just, no one ever talks to me, and they're just always so judgmental. The reality is, obviously, I wouldn't tell this to anybody in person, but I'm saying, most likely, there's jealousy. There's an insecurity inside that person. There's something off within that person. There's jealousy settling within that person. Or someone who is deceitful. They're very deceiving, conniving. That means, most likely, there is shame or guilt stored up in their heart. Let's continue. Jesus also spoke about this topic in details here. When he, Jesus, had called the multitude to himself, he said to them, hear me out and understand the words that are about to come out of my mouth, right? He just usually didn't begin a statement by saying that, but that he's emphasizing the importance of transforming the inner man. So he puts emphasis on this. So he begins with an introduction before he gets to any parable, before he gets to any analogy. He says, hear me out and understand what I'm about to say, right? Not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, this is what defiles a man. Then his disciples came and said to him, hey, Jesus, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? Just, you know, what this type of saying, hey, you're kind of offending some people with what you're saying. You're not saying the most like, can you talk about love and joy and, and joy in our heart? Because what you're saying is kind of offending people. <laughs> but Jesus, he answered and said, every plant which my heavenly father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. Forget them. If their ears are hardened and not wanting to be receptive to my words, I can't control them. I can't convince them. They have to work with me. Just to show the honor and respect that Jesus gave to you and me and to the Pharisees and to all of us. He's not, he's not going to twist our arm for us to hear him. He says, if they're offended, if he, Jesus is saying, if my words are offensive to you, how you're hearing it, that shows what's already in your heart. Your pride is clouding you from being receptive to it. They are blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch, right? He says, forget about the Pharisees. They're blind, they're hardened. I do miracle after miracle, and they're just kind of standing like, so what, Lazarus rich from the dead, right? So they're, they're hardened. They don't care what they see, they're hardened. They're the blind leading the blind, forget them. Leave them. He says this with love, but he's not, he's, he's not going to, to brainwash them or try to convince them otherwise. He has to honor, he has to respect them. He has to also honor and respect you and me. Then Peter answered and said to him, can you explain this parable to us? So Jesus said, 
Are you still without understanding? Right? You can kind of see the emotion behind Jesus, right? He begins by saying, hear me out. He talks. The disciples say, you're kind of being offensive. And Jesus says, forget them. They're not wanting to hear what I'm saying. And then Peter's like, we don't understand what you're saying either. Can you explain it to us? And Jesus continues. Do you not understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? Think about an awkward shift in the conversation here. Because I'm sure the disciples are like, oh, ill, yeah, okay, we understand that. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of the heart, from in our heart, what's settled within us, what will naturally come out in just a matter of time, with pressure, with conflict, with brokenness in the world in which you live in, what proceeds from the heart? Evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications. Fornications is any unethical sexual behavior that goes against God's divine design for sexuality. So out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, which is lying, blasphemies. Blasphemies is something you and I, we fall into this trap a lot. We, we can be, two, good ver- we can be ver- two versions of ourselves, right? We can be a good Sunday Christian version of ourselves, and then Thursday night, Friday night, you know, with our work friends or school friends, we're somebody completely different. Then we're just, we're, we're, we're blas- we, we have lost integrity. All of this comes from the heart. Jesus seems pretty hardcore. Seems like he's like kind of going too much here. From the heart comes murder, comes adultery. Nobody wakes up and says, today would be an awesome day to have a chronic, a chronic sick addiction to pornography. Today would be an awesome day to cheat on my spouse. Today would be an awesome day, you know, if I, if I just murder or I just kill this coworker or this friend. No one says that. But it begins with something that's already in the heart. These are the things which defile man. And then he points back to the Pharisees. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. So he just kind of wants to send, he just kind of said a comment to the Pharisees again. He says, let them, they're being super legalistic about a bunch of do's and don'ts. They think that's the thing that defiles or cleanses. That's not the thing. I'm talking about the heart. They're talking about the superficial thing. They're, no, no. You're talking about going to church and you look good and you, you know, all your Instagram posts are about Bible verses. And you, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the inner person. Let, the, let them focus on the outside stuff. I'm focusing on the inside stuff. For this week, for part one, hear yourself. Hear yourself. Why did you really send that text in the way you did? Are you trying to get it back to that person? Why did you really say that comment in the way you did? Why did you really have to share that details to make yourself look good? Why did you really do this or talk about this person in this way, either positive or negative? Really, what's your motive for real? Hear yourself. Because when you and I hear ourselves, this is what we can find out. And just get a very small sample size, an assessment of what is already stored up in our hearts. For those who are married, let me go ahead and start a marital fight for this evening. Ask each other, Hey, do, what, do you, what do you assess when I, kinda, when I dealt with that last argument? Like, what do you think is settled in my heart? On your own terms, but I think this will be very beneficial. I heard a nice quote. Heart work 
is hard work. Heart work is hard work. So throughout this series, Heart and Tongue, we're going to be looking at what is settled within our heart for real. You and I want to change things about our life from the outside. I'm with you. I'm on board. But that step has to begin of what's already stored up in our hearts. For, for this week, let's hear ourselves. In addition to hearing ourselves and maybe asking an accountability partner about this topic, I want, I don't want to say the word homework because then you're going to check out once I say homework, but I, I already said it. But I want us to do something this week as a challenge. If you already have a good quiet time routine as far as prayer life and spending time with God, keep it. Don't touch it. And maybe add this if you don't have this already. But in our ancient Orthodox Church, there is a prayer book, and specifically in the Coptic Church, we title it the Agbeya. In the morning, there is this beautiful prayer called the First Hour Absolution. There's two of them. But there's this beautiful prayer, and I just, I'm going to just share with you one small segment. And, and I want, and if, let, me just show, let me just share it to you first. Oh God, let's just show the richness in how beautiful the prayers of our ancient church is. This is the morning prayer. O oh God, who causes the light to burst forth, who lets his sun shine upon the righteous and the wicked, who created the light which illuminates the whole world, enlighten our minds, our hearts, and our understanding. God, who lets light burst forth, which gives life to the world in a physical, biological way, Lord, also enlighten. Not my test that's coming up, not my physical health, not my, this issue I'm having at home. No, enlighten my mind, my heart. And even just the way I'm processing things, do I have a deceiving way of processing my understanding that I feel everyone's trying to get something out of me or someone's getting at me? Lord, enlighten my understanding, my thoughts, how I'm processing things. Somebody said this, but I naturally interpreted in a different conniving or deceiving way. Lord, enlighten my thoughts, my understanding, my mind, my heart. The church is giving us a prayer about the inner life. So if the Agbeya is not part of your routine, I encourage you, give it a shot for this week. Give it a shot. See the impact of what God can do through you and in you if you and I tap into the richness of our ancient prayers of the Orthodox Church. In this YouTube description, in this YouTube link, and I'll show it online on, on Facebook tomorrow, an, an, an audio link to this prayer for you to physically order a book, a Gbeya book of it, and also the text. And for us to embed that into the rhythm of our lives. Imagine, before you go to that meeting, that conversation, before you, you get to, to catching up on all your emails for the day and, and messages, that you began with this prayer. The power of what God can do, not on the external, not for, for, God to, for you to solve this issue that you've been asking God to, yeah, keep that. For also us to add a prayer for God to touch us at our heart, in our mind, and our understanding. And we'll pick up this next Sunday. We can stand up for a prayer.
In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, our thoughts, our understanding is sometimes all about us. It's off. But Lord, we are seeking the remedy which is in you for our thoughts to align with your thoughts, for our understanding to be your understanding. Lord, give us clarity for us not to focus on the external things of this world, but for us to focus on transforming the inner person. Because Lord, this was your agenda. This was your mission. This is why you came down to lay yourself to death in order to resurrect within us our thoughts and our understanding and our hearts. Lord, we all struggle with saying things in which we do not mean. We all struggle of things just coming out because our emotions have gotten the best of us. But Lord, we want to heal this, not on a temporary superficial level, but by assessing what is stored up in our hearts. Through the prayers of all your saints, Lord, hear us as we pray together saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you, everybody. We will continue this series next Sunday.